John's just going to back up to that little phrase, I'm not ashamed of you. Okay? And, what is it two lines, three lines? Oh, yeah. He just leads us. He doesn't know them. And, uh, and basically what I want, you know the song, you've sung it. I just want you to decide, to what point are you not ashamed of Jesus? Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. Dude, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And the church says, oh, man, I'm not ashamed of Jesus at all. Sunday morning church, surrounded by Sunday morning people in our Sunday morning clothes, getting ready to go eat our Sunday morning dinner. How ashamed are you on Tuesday afternoon on the job? What about Friday night when your friends ask you to go to a place when you know you shouldn't go? I mean, we all sang with great joy. I heard you, man. There was great emotion. I'm not ashamed of you. And if you truly believe that with every ounce of your being, if you meant that as an act of total commitment of worship, then you're not going to stop being ashamed when you leave the doors. When you go to work Monday morning, you're going to sing it just as, as strong as you just sang it today. When you raise your hands and praise God and people look around and go, dude, you ain't ashamed of Jesus. I want to, will you walk into work tomorrow morning with such presence of the Spirit of God so that those that even don't believe in Jesus can look at you and say, I don't know what's going on. But I think he spent some time with Jesus this weekend. And will you carry yourself in such a way that it says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Absolutely unqualified, no matter the culture, no matter the setting, college, high school, middle school, job, home, community, church, not ashamed. It doesn't change. My relationship does not change because my circumstances change. My relationship with Christ does not change because the conversation changes around me. You got it? So sing it one more time. With that being sung, you can be seated. We're going to end our service with that same little refrain right there, okay? Well, you did so poorly last week on our quiz in summer school. 
I thought I would give you another chance. How many of you love math? Are you feeling good about it, huh? I remember you guys were just as excited about government last week. Math. Oh, my goodness, math. I hated math. Algebra, algebra one, algebra two, hated it. Calculus, trigonometry, hated that too. Matter of fact, it was in algebra one that I learned to be hang around smart people. <laughs> I was dying in algebra one. I didn't hang around with smart people in high school. I hung around with the fun people. I didn't hang around with the smart people. And I was, I was dying. And I knew that when I went home at night, the fun people weren't going to be at my house. That the judgment people, mom and dad, would be at my house. And I'd have to give an account. So I, in, in Algebra 1, literally, I would, I would watch guys like Dave Dietrich and Way Williams, who were just like way over my head being smart, great guys. And they, whenever they took a note... I would take a note. But then I found out that just because I write something down on my paper doesn't mean that I'm writing down the right thing on my paper, you know? And, uh, and so I, I learned kind of, so math is kind of like, so you know the drill. Today you got to get five out of five right, okay? Because this is like so easy, all right? Because you all love math. I hate math, but here we go, all right? Which best, question number one. Which best represents, by the way, if you're new, uh, you don't get a grade, you just get a coupon to go get a Sunday or an ice cream cone at Baskin Robbins if today you get five out of five, all right? Which one best represents an inequality? Write these down and, uh, and don't tell your neighbor, all right? Zero, the little pound sign, the little whatever that is, the exponential sign or the percentage sign. The answer is C. How many got it right? Our teenagers. First time in two weeks I got something right. Man, I'm so proud of you guys. Awesome, man. Sweet. All right. Next question. Specifically, which best represents an integer? An integer. 1, 2, 3, 0, 1, 2, 3, negative 0, 1, 2, 3, or 121. And the answer is C. How many got C right? How many has no clue what an integer is at all? Yes. Hang on, we've got a question for you in a minute. In math, which, what does the term ordinal represent? What is an ordinal number? One, two, three, zero, one, two, three, zero, or first, second, and third? All right, you don't even get five seconds on this one. The answer is D. Ordinal is a number of order, helps you prioritize things that are in order. All right. Which answer best reflects the math term irrational number? <laughs> now, y'all are reading ahead, aren't you? 2x minus y, 1, parentheses 2, times 0 equals negative 1 plus 1, or your bank account. How many of you really want to go with D right here? Yeah. The answer is... A, an irrational number is a number that doesn't have any meaning, doesn't contain any pattern, doesn't contain any, any essence to it. And you go, yeah, that's my bank account right there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it. All right. How many have gotten them all right so far? 
Ooh, only about a dozen. All right, here we go. Todd's, uh, Todd's up here on the front row. All right, last question. Which is not a prime number? Which is not a prime number? Three, 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 one, three, 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 one, three, 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 one, or none of the above? And the answer is C. Answer is C. You take 17 times 192,000 and something, and it'll get you 333,331. Anyway, whatever that big number is, that's what it gets you. You know, there's some numbers that are important. An ordinal number shows priority. I want to talk to you about God's priority. I want to look at some spiritual numbers that have to have priority in our, in our church. Because again, summer school is about recovering some lost credit. Summer school is about nailing down some learning, or summer school is about getting ahead. So we need to kind of nail some things down here. Let me give you some spiritual numbers. Now, I'm not a biblical numerologist. I'm not going to take the sub number seven and talk about how it's the number of perfection or completeness and the number three and talk about its completeness or the number six and talk about its, you know, fallibility issues or any of that. I, I want to talk about a different kind a set of spiritual numbers, probably of which you've never heard before. All right? The first spiritual number I want you to understand is 414. Does anybody know what 414 means? 414 is a window of opportunity that we have to win our children between the ages of 4 and 14 to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Statistics show that there's this window of opportunity between the ages of four and the ages of 14 where our children are the most receptive. And we also, from psychologists, sociologists, behavioralists, find out that it's also this same age group the children are most vulnerable to abuse and neglect. This is a very important age in the lives of our children. Because there's this window of opportunity. This opportunity to share Christ, to share faith, to pass on faith. There's this receptivity that children have because they're just trying to put it all together, you know? They just have this simple faith, this simple joy. And they, they're trying to put this God who made everything, the sun and the moon and the stars, they're trying to make planets and stars and how all of that fits. They talk about Jesus and his birth at Christmas, and they talk about his resurrection on Easter, and then they try to fit in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Man, there's a lot of dots to connect here. And what 414 means, it's this window of opportunity where between the ages of 4 and 14 where children are the most receptive to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, wait a minute. I'm not a believer in Jesus Christ and I'm over 14. Am I going to go to hell? Yes. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Basically, between the ages of 4 and 14, there's less hurdles to get over. Because we come to Jesus, don't we, with a childlike faith. And then as adults, we start messing this whole thing up. Remember the story in Matthew 18? All the kids started coming around. Jesus was teaching. He's sitting down, and, and, and children are coming up, and he's probably messing with them. And I don't know if he was doing this, I'm watching you kind of thing. But he was probably, know, he, was a, he was a cool guy, man. Kids wanted to be, kids do not want to hang around with old frumpy people. You know what I mean? Man, if you got this, parent, this 
perennial frown on your face and you just look like Sergeant Carter on Gomer Pyle? The Joker on Batman Begins? You know that one, don't you? I'm telling you, people aren't going to want to hang. Kids aren't going to want to hang around you. They're going to want to run with you. The kids right, and the disciples were going, ah, Jesus don't have time for you. These godly men that Jesus would turn over the keys of the church to say, ah, youngins, you go away. He doesn't have any time for you. And Jesus didn't rebuke the children. He rebuked the adults for rebuking the children. And he said, the kingdom of heaven isn't like you smart guys over here. It's like the simple faith people over here. And he said this. He said, unless you come as one of these, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. It's a simple trusting faith where you don't have to know all the answers, where you don't have to, you just simply go and follow and Jesus shows you the way. Man, that number 414 is so important because this window is closing. Every day that your child gets older, I'm telling you, the window closes. If you have children between the ages of 4 and 14, man, every Sunday, your children should go home. You ought to pick up one of these elements of the day. And that tells you what they have learned in children's church so that you can enter into a spiritual discussion with your children through the week. Because if all you do is come to this church, and if that is the only time they hear you talk about Jesus, church, or faith, or the Bible, and here's how most of you talk about the Bible. Hey, you got your Bible? It's time to go to church. You got your Bible? You know what you are communicating to your children? You're communicating two things. Number one, Jesus Christ really isn't that important because we only talk about him 10 minutes on one day a week. And really, I'm just kind of ashamed of the whole thing. There's this window of opportunity that closes. We don't take place, we don't take the place of parenting and the spiritual responsibility of the parents to train up a child in a way that it should go. But we do come alongside. We do come alongside and try to have children's ministries par excellent and, and, and just continue to raise the, elevate, raise the excellence of our children's ministry. Why? Because every week the mission field comes to this building. And yes, I am passionate about our children understanding with clarity the simple message of the gospel and how that message can change their life and keep changing their life. Yes, I am tired of losing our children to drugs, sex, and alcohol. Yes, I would love to have a generation that comes up who will stand in the name of Jesus unashamed of the gospel and unashamed to live for Jesus 24-7. I'm telling you, 414 is a huge number. Next spiritual number, 1014, 1040, I'm sorry, 1040. Now, this is not some oil you put in your car. 1040. It's, what is the things that go around longitude? Is it latitude this way, longitude that way? Anyway, figure it out. It'll be on the quiz when we cover geometry or geography. 10 degrees north of the equator, 
to the 40th degree north of the equator. Going from Africa all the way through the Middle East, through China, and into Japan to the Pacific Rim. 1040 represents where the majority of the people who have never heard of the gospel of Christ, that's where they live. It's where the majority of the non-Christian population lives. Islam, Hindu, Buddhism, non-religious are there. But you can see this 1040 window. And in that 1040 window, a vast majority of people who have never heard the gospel message lives. There are 16,700 people groups in this world. 16,700 people groups in this world. Of that 16,700 people groups, almost 7,000 have never heard the gospel. They have no indigenous church. They don't have a missionary. They don't have a congregation of believers. They don't have many Christians there proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Now, let's be honest, if you want to go to hell and you live in the United States of America, you got to trip over a lot of Christians and a lot of churches on your way there, don't you? Don't you? Uh, by the way, how many of you drive 20 minutes or more to come to church? Just, okay, of those same hands, how many of you would say in that 20-minute drive, you pass on the road in that 20-minute drive five or more churches? Isn't that incredible? In these countries, in that 10 to 4, 10, 1040 window, you could drive five hours. You could drive 50 hours and not see one evangelical Bible-preaching church. The command to go into all the world includes that 1040 parallel. Let me give you some numbers, because I like numbers. You know me in numbers. 6.8 billion people are alive right now on the face of the earth. Now, I know a few teenagers who are friends with just about all of them on Facebook, but there's 6.8 billion people out there. I don't know where they're hanging out at, but there's 6.8 billion people. Of that 6.8 billion people, 2.8 have never heard the gospel once. If they hear about Jesus, it's because he's just some tag-along prophet but not the Savior of the world. By the way, in this area where we live, many of the people who live in that 1040 window come to our area. One of the things God has been dealing with my heart about is people, we've got to have some kind of viable ministry to the people who are coming here from that area. And maybe you didn't hear me. Because those people have never heard the gospel. You hear it every Sunday. You trip over churches on your way home. Matter of fact, if I make you mad, if I tick you off, it's no big deal. You'll just go to the next church down the road. Amen? Well, you didn't have to amen that emphatically, but... <laughs> amen! Oh, buddy! They got nothing. We're so pampered and spoiled. We call it a blessing. Well, I guess it is. But there's people who come from that 1040 window. You work with them. They live in Dearborn, Dearborn Heights, Redford. 
They live in your community. They live in my subdivision. What are we doing? How can we ignore the second largest Arabic population in the world outside of the Middle East? You jump over the bridge, uh, take the Ambassador Bridge into Canada. Outside of Vietnam, you have the world's largest Vietnamese population. The 1040 window is coming to our community. Don't we have something to say here? 2.8 million people, billion, billion, billion have never heard. Sometimes it's hard to get our minds around that word billion. So let's just talk about one. Let's just talk about the power of one. In the Bible, five different times, turn to Matthew 28, there is one commission given. Jesus gives it five different times, but it's one commission. I want to make sure you understand what a commission is. A commission, a commission, a commission is an obligation with a distinct responsibility. It's not a free blank check to do what you want to do. If the President of the United States calls me and gives me a commission to represent the United States of America and take the message to another country, I am under obligation, I am under responsibility to present the message as if the president were there and I am standing there in the president's place. You got the idea? This thing, commission, is not an option. This thing, commission... This one commission, the only one in the Bible. Oh, there's Ten Commandments. There's one commission. There is one commission that carries universal implications for all of us. Because the Great Commission is not the preacher's responsibility. Well, we got Don, Tommy, and Mike. He'll sing it. Tommy, Tommy will take care of the young people. Preacher will pray, preach to the old people. We got it covered. No, we don't. See, one of the key numbers in math, biblically speaking, is that number right there. Why is that number a key number? Some of you are thinking, well, it's 121. I, are there 121 elders? Are there 121 apostles? No, it's not 121. It's 121. See, the Great Commission is all about one going to one and sharing the one message of the gospel. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. If you're there, just kind of follow along. It's not going to come up on the screen today. And Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make all disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Now, in our English, it looks like there's three verbs. Teach, go, baptize. Or baptize, teach, and disciple. Those are part of prepositional phrases in the original Greek. There's only one verb in the original language in that, that passage, and that's the word go. And as you go, you make disciples. As you go, you lead them to a profession of faith that becomes, you know, symbolic of their, their baptism. As you go, you make disciples. As you go, you teach them to observe all things that Jesus did. So you came here this morning singing, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In about 10 minutes, okay, probably about 20 minutes, we're going to say the final amen, then you're going to go. How ashamed of the gospel are you going to be on the going? 
Will you go going making disciples? Will you go going teaching folks to do whatsoever things I've commanded? Will you go helping people to hear the central message of the gospel? And that is Jesus Christ is not one of the best ways to get to heaven. He is the only way to get to heaven because he is superior to everything. And he has supremacy above all things. Matter of fact, the one commission, in that one commission we have one message. You don't have to finagle it. You don't have to come up with it. You don't have to create it. It's the one message. And the message that the world needs is Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest. When I, I, you guys know I love politics, and, and I really love doing the whole thing. And if I get anybody who even remotely, you know, just is engaged in politics, I love it. And I love local, statewide, national. I just love it. When I first started preaching years and years ago, man, I preached, oh, my goodness, I preached on everything. Man, I preached a lot of politics. Man, I, I did. I loved it. Dude, I, I brought Jesus into the Republican Party. I brought Jesus into the Democratic Party. I brought Jesus into the election. I brought Jesus into, you know, foreign policy. I brought Jesus into, to, you know, um, segregation. I brought Jesus into everything. You say, well, is that all bad? We see, I brought Jesus into what I was talking about. See, it's not what I'm talking about is the main thing. It's Jesus is the main thing. You kind of bring everything in and wrap it around him. See, Jesus is supposed to be that fabric that's woven throughout your life. It's not just a Sunday morning only experience. It's, it's not just a 20-minute a, a praise and worship set and then sitting and, and, and trying to focus when I'm going on and on and on in a message. By the way, I read this past week that there are churches in the world, I really don't think I could do it, but there are churches in the world that by, from the time they start to the time they finish, it's over six hours. So next Sunday morning. <laughs> Just kidding. Here's the thing, we have one message. I tell you this a lot, but I'm telling you the hope of the world is not to vote this president out and another president in. The hope of the world is not to vote the next, you know, speaker of the, of the uh, house out and, and another guy in. It's not for the Senate pro tem. It, it, it's not to, to, to help, you know, the prime minister of England. I'm telling you, nations will rise and nations will fall. Agendas of political parties will rise and agendas of political parties will fall. Trends will come and fads will go, but there is one message that has stood the test of time. There is one message that needs to be trumpeted with a clarion call above every other message that's out there, and that is Jesus Christ, his King of kings and Lord of lords. He came incarnate as the Son of God, died on the cross for your sins, my sins, rose again, and that same King who came is coming again. Get ready, because Jesus is coming. That's the message. And it's just one message. You say, well, I can't do that. Why can't you? He's given you the means to do it. He's given you the Holy Spirit of God. There's a whole lot of things where I think churches do with the Holy Spirit, and some great and some maybe not so great. Let me tell you, the first appearance of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament always had to do with getting the gospel out. 
You talk about everything else you want to talk about. But if somehow the Holy Spirit, if you are, you know, spirit-filled, blessed and all that, and I love it, and I believe in being spirit-filled, believe in being baptized in the Spirit, you get that when you get saved, I understand all that. I'm just simply saying that it is a part of God's power to help you get the message out. Paul would say, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He said it's that power, and that same power that God gave Peter and James and John and, and those folks in the upper room that day, I'm telling you, that same power is for you today. So that as you go, you can make disciples Why? Because you carry that one message in the power of the one who sent him, the Holy Spirit of God. You say, well, I'm not smart enough. God knows that. He sent you a helper, the Holy Spirit. I'm not eloquent enough. God knows that, so he sent you the Holy Spirit to help you. See, it's one message. It's it's not only one power, but there's also only just one method. And the one method is one-to-one. It's one-to-one. One person going to one person, one person going to one person and helping, one person going to one person and encouraging, one person going to one person and sharing the gospel, one person going to one person, one church going to one church. Can I tell you what's happened around here this past week? Can I just tell you what's going on around here this past week? Man, this past week, We had people call up other people, take them out to lunch so they can encourage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One young lady totaled her car and used that as an opportunity to take somebody out, see if there might be an opportunity to build a relationship, to share Christ. I don't expect you to total your car to do that. But it's one person to one person. There was about a group of eight yesterday. They made sandwiches. They went down to Detroit with sandwiches and water bottles. They didn't really have anywhere particular to go, so they went right downtown. Just looking for homeless people. Because Jesus said if you give a cup of gold water, he's kind of right there and involved in the whole thing. And they got a chance to talk to some, and it's one to one. This past week, there were a lot of people in and out cutting things for vacation Bible school and, and making things. Tim Stanton's has painted a bamboo forest, I'm telling you. It, it's just crazy. It's one to one. One to one. Last night, I had the privilege of picking up 16 teenagers, tired, weary, worn out. Came back from Panama. And so I ask, I could tell you what Josh Smith sent me last night. Three great highlights of his trip. But instead of me telling you their story, uh, we asked Jared Runyon, if he will, to come and take a couple of minutes And just to share real quickly, then after that, he'll let you know about a video, and then we're just going to kind of wrap it up. But I want you to hear his story. Man, he has got 
I told him when he said it after the first service, that is such a great line. You'll hear it. But I'm telling you, listen to the heart. When one goes to one in the power of Jesus' name, taking the message, being obedient to the commission, and then being the one to say, here I am. I'll go. God, use me. Listen to Jared. We serve a great God. Amen. I mean, do we believe that this morning? We serve a great God. He is a big God, and he has spoke things to my heart this week in Panama that I'll never forget. I mean, I'll tell my kids, and I'll, I'm just going to pray that they tell their kids eternal truths, two things um, that just live big in my heart this week. The first one is my name is small, and his name is great. The name of Jared Runyon holds no power and no authority, but the name of Jesus Christ holds all power and all authority. And that was true in Panama when I'd shake hands with somebody and say, hey, I'm Jared. And that meant nothing. I mean, they don't know who I am, but they knew King Jesus. And that was true this week for me. The second thing is something I've known for a long time, but it was kind of cemented into my heart this week, and that's this. If I really believe that I serve the God of all gods, the King of all kings, who is capable of doing anything he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, in Panama or in the United States, it only makes sense to wrap my future around an eternal ministry as opposed to a temporary occupation. And so the truth, church, is I don't know what I want to do with my future. I don't, I don't know what it looks like, but I know that I just want to lift his name higher. I want to make his name great on this earth, and that's my heart. Um, I, I could talk about this trip for a long time. Uh, I'd love to if you want to grab me after, but we made a video. Um, check it out, and then come grab one of us after. I love you guys. When the storm is raging all around me You are the peace that calms my troubled sea When the cares of this world darken my day You are the light that shines and shows me the way Oh, the beauty of your majesty on the cross you showed your love for me Beautiful Lord Awesome and mighty I'm captured by this love I see Beautiful Lord Tender and holy Your mercy brings me to It's your mercy that has made me free, beautiful love. When my sin is all that I can see, your grace remains the shelter that I
Father has sent me, so send I you. Did I tell you I love math? I love math when one-to-one happens. I, I love it when believers step up and say, you know what, the cause is so great and time is so short and there's many windows that are closing that the greatest thing I can do instead of being wrapping myself around a temporary occupation is to wrap my life around an eternal ministry. So you say, well, what can I do? Man, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you some things you can jump in and get involved in. Man, we are like within the two-week countdown of the world's greatest vacation Bible school, led by Erica Miller and and, and Wanda Panduke, and Erica does just a phenomenal job. She is now even, and her and Yolanda and others are taking the show on the road and going down to Detroit and, and, and doing vacation Bible school down there, and it's just awesome. But you know what? Man, this is a big church-wide commission. This is our biggest outreach event to children, to that window, to that 420 window. It's the biggest outreach event week long in the entire year. And man, we need everybody's help. You say, well, I hate kids. Good, we need people to take out the trash. (laughs) Mop the floor. Run the sweeper. Honestly, we can put you in places that will not bring you within 20 feet of a child. (laughs) J2 will have their their dinner thing down there so we can connect parents with, with not only one another, but it's the purpose of trying to help connect them, make relationships so the gospel can be presented. We need somebody to drive a bus. I drove the bus for Debbie Harris. She brings the entire neighborhood from... From Dana and and Deanna bring the entire neighborhood. And I won't be able to drive it this year. Man, we need somebody to drive the bus. I'm telling you. If if you're not a part of it. Matter of fact, we're so committed to it. We spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on it. Because we want to have, without a doubt, the world's best vacation Bible school. I do not begrudge a dollar, a dime, or a penny spent. And neither should you. Because the window is closing. And my goodness, we've got to reach this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so a week, is it a week from Sunday? Next Sunday. Is it next Sunday or a week from Sunday? Is it a week from Sunday? You may be sitting on a... I mean, this thing is going to be like pandemonium everywhere, bamboos and, and panda bears and everything. You might even be sitting on a koala. I don't know. But it's just going to be crazy. You need to be a part of it. Crafts and, and, and making Kool-Aid and putting cookies on trays and, 
and you just need to be there's a thing in your bulletin to sign up and, and help. After that, man, there's a car show coming up August the 6th. And you say, well, man, what's a car show all about? There's a group of people who, who love cars, and the only thing I know about cars is it's got four wheels, one steering wheel seat for me, and, and a thing where I put a key in, and it miracle happens. It goes, man, and I'm happy. That's my sum total, but they, take something, they took something they loved and turned it into a ministry outreach opportunity. And so, man, the parking lot, the idea is parking lot is to be full and, and to share and to show the love of Jesus Christ. After that, we got the canoe trip. They got, they got cam, uh, campsites and hotels available. See Kent Renee outside. Great opportunity to connect with the body of Christ. After that, oh my goodness, you get a couple of weeks off, and then we kick right into the fall schedule. All right, you get about four days off, then we kick into the fall schedule. Fall festival's going to be here before you know it. <laughs> I mean, just a crazy blowout day. Then, then before you know that, there's going to be another team going down to Appalachia because it's one church to one church coming alongside and helping that church advance the kingdom of God in their place. Now, listen, I want you to hear me, and I want you to get this. If one church, our church, can go to another one church and help that church, I am all about that because this church is not about building up the, quote, little Kirby empire. And the day that I ever become so self-centered and egocentric that we want to build up our own little empire around here, you need to fire me on the spot because I have stopped preaching the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is not about Kirby Church, but I'm telling you what, Kirby Church is about the kingdom of God. And so in December, there'll be a group taking clothes and food to the impoverished area in Appalachia. So you take those clothes that you've stuck down at the end of the closet because you've outgrown them. And they're just down there waiting for the day that you're going to lose weight and fit back into them. You know that ain't never going to happen? Get rid of them. Box them up. Start getting them ready to send down and be a blessing to other people. Costa Rica, another mission trip to Costa Rica. Coming up in January, there's plenty of time for you to save up the money. Listen, the only reason for you not to be, we are so much about the Great Commission around here, that for the only reason for you not to be a part of it in some way, shape, fashion, or form, in one of the different ministries I've listened and a boatload of others that I've not mentioned, is because you simply choose not to. And you either think, number one, that you're better than that. It's not your responsibility, which I've clearly shown that it is everyone's responsibility. Or maybe when we all were doing, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, maybe we really are. Because you see, it's easy to sing that song in here, isn't it? But it's quite different than when your child comes home and says, Mom, I want to go to... I want to go to Panama. And you immediately think dollar signs because that's our American culture. We would rather save a dollar than save our marriage. We'd rather save a dollar than save a soul. We'd rather save a dollar than save this or that. And I'm telling you, are you ashamed of the gospel? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
for you. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone, to everyone, to everyone from every social economic scale, from both genders to, to every nation, kingdom, tribe, family, clan, and tongue. He is a God for everyone. And you and I have the privilege. You and I have the privilege to be sent by the king to fulfill the commission, to carry the message, to go in the power of Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Father, in just a moment, we're going to sing I'm Not Ashamed of the Gospel. And maybe, I, I pray we sing it with just a great sense of urgency. And, and I pray that it just takes on a whole...